Well, I think it's probably been since 1872 that our church worshipped in another location that was not on the dirt at 701 Main Street. Maybe Carolyn remembers a time or two uh, Sunday, but it's been a long time. Our church settled in that spot after three years of wandering in the community, and maybe it's time to wander again. Uh, to shake things up again, uh, to try something new. It feels different this morning, and yeah, I feel a little uh, disorganized. I don't quite know where to put my sermon up here. Uh, With this light here, everything's just a little different. But look around you for a moment. Just, Just take a moment. Turn, look to your left, look to your right. Norwalk Christian Church is still right here. Wherever you are, wherever we are, we are the church. And if you believe that, I want you to repeat it after me like you believe it. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. church. Now, the Sunday also is reminding me of a time that Marty and I, Taylor, and, well, baby Finn, still on the way, first visited a church that we soon fell in love with. We were living in New Orleans, and we, we weren't working for a church, so we had to pick one out. And we went to this church, First Grace United Methodist Church. We didn't realize uh, what Sunday it was. It was in mid-February. Our first Sunday was actually their last Sunday in their sanctuary before they were going to do a sanctuary renovation, remodeling the sanctuary after their continued post-Katrina rebuilding. The next Sunday we visited, they were all crammed into their fellowship hall. Seats everywhere, people everywhere. The stage didn't quite fit right. They didn't quite know what was going on, but there we were. There were still enough seats, but not enough room to really spread out. We had to squeeze in. We couldn't avoid each other. We couldn't be anonymous if we tried, which you kind of like to do when you're visiting a church for one of the first times. And so we ended up, well, we ended up meeting people. We met Stephanie and Margaret and Mertis, and I'm going to cry because I love these people, Nicole and Jacinto, and we fell in love with those people, with that church on this disorganized Sunday. It was all in transition. Not long after that, well, baby Finn was born, and we brought him into that church. We joined that church, and as we journeyed in the faith community, well, something strange happened. We began to hear something. Something that though we were here where we felt called to be, we began to hear a voice calling us somewhere else. Calling us, well, from the chairs or the pews or whatever they were, back into congregational ministry. We weren't doing it then. Joining that church began to give us a space to listen. And while it changed our lives, the road from New Orleans sent us uh, to become clergy with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. It led us from there to Abilene, Texas. Only God could send you back to Abilene, Texas. And from Abilene all the way to Norwalk, Iowa. And actually five years ago next week we visited Norwalk, Iowa, and it was a blizzard that day too. There's something about being in a new space that opens us up to hear something new. It's disorganized, unfamiliar. You can't just go through the motions. You have to think a moment. We can't just do it the same way. We must reassess, listen. In a now famous interview from the 90s, the reporter Dan Rather interviewed Mother Teresa. He, like many of us, marveled at her discipline. How could she do all the things she did? She was so holy. Her prayer life must be incredible living among the poor in Calcutta. He wanted to know her secret. 
What was the secret to her prayer life? So we ask her, when you pray, Mother Teresa, what do you say? And she responded right there on TV, well, I don't say anything. I just listen. So rather, uh, Dan rather, a little taken aback by her answer and still searching for that secret probe a bit more. Well, then what does God say? And Mother Teresa, now Saint Teresa, said to him, oh, nothing. God just listens too. Now, we've been talking over the last few weeks about being drawn in, that calling to be co-creators with God in the world, to dream this dream, to hover over that dream as we begin to then take the risk to step out and bring the dream to reality. But that next step in the creative process is one we sometimes struggle with, and it is to listen. You take a risk, but then to listen, how's it going? Because if you haven't noticed, creativity doesn't always go the way you think it will. In art, in church, in life, all of life really seems to be a bit of an improvisation. I should have practiced like you did uh, the words, Doug. I think you practiced. I don't know. Uh, But things fall apart no matter how hard you practice. The sculpture falls apart. No one likes the song you wrote but you. What you always thought you'd do with your life doesn't work out. And we're faced with a decision in that moment. Well, we could give up on the dream or we could just, you know, go full charge ahead, ignore all warning signs against it. Just go. That's what God wants us to do, right? Just charge ahead. Or we could stop and listen. Listening is the heart of our text this morning, though it is a little bit hard to listen for it with all the words and the details. But in the midst of the details is a beautiful story that unfolds. Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's traveling with his companion, Silas. We talk a lot about Paul's work, but Paul never did any of this alone. He always had companions with him. And he set out, his plan was on this journey, to go kind of in a straight line. And we know this by reading a little before our chapter. He's headed to Ephesus, a place where he had been before. And he had stopped in Lystra. He picked up Timothy, who we hear about in other places in Scripture. He goes to Derby, He goes to Iconium. And then to the cities that are mentioned in the front of our text. And it's this straight line to Ephesus. He has a plan, or so they thought. In fact, as this journey unfolds, three times in this well-planned-out journey, Paul ends up reshaping his course, going in directions he did not plan. And our text this morning is one of those changes. And I want you to listen carefully to what happens with the language in the text. I'm going to read it again, probably pronouncing it differently. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man from Macedonia pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, convinced that God had called us, called us to proclaim the good news to them. So did you hear it? Paul had a dream, yes. A man from Macedonia calling for help, but there's something else in the words, the pronouns used. It starts off with they had come. They attempted. The Spirit of God did not allow them. They went, and then the language shifts. There's this vision, and the language becomes we. We, we immediately tried to cross over. God had called us 
to proclaim the good news. Now, if you go to you know, seminary and take these boring classes, you learn that Acts was written by a guy named Luke, the same guy who wrote the gospel. And what we know about Luke is that, well, Luke was a physician. And the other thing we know is he was one of those companions with Paul. He traveled with Paul. The second half of the book has a lot of we's in it. And we know that that's when Paul picks up Luke. Luke doesn't say, hey, I joined the crowd. Luke just changes the pronoun. And right here in the book of Acts, this travelogue changes in a moment without explanation from they to we. And Luke is on the journey somewhere in one of those cities. Luke gets on board. We're not told the story. And after Luke joins, the next thing that happens is Paul has a vision. Now, maybe I'm just making stuff up today. Why not? That's what we're doing. It's creativity, right? But what if Luke joined with Paul and then started talking about what was on Luke's heart? Hey, Paul, I know we're going to Ephesus, but we've been there before. Those Christians, they're they're doing all right. But have you heard about Macedonia? Have you heard about what's going on in Macedonia? These people need us, Paul. And Paul goes to sleep. Luke wouldn't shut up. He just kept talking. And Paul dozes off. And in his sleep, this man appears. He probably looks a little like Luke. And he says, Paul, come to Macedonia and help us. And Paul wakes up having heard this and wonders, hmm, maybe someone, maybe God, Is trying to tell me something. And together they decide that God wants them to go to Macedonia. And it sounds so simple, but there it is. A change of course. We're told in the second half of the text, they go to Macedonia and they get this hunch that there's people gathered at the river to pray and they show up and there's Lydia. And what does Lydia do? Lydia listens to what they say. And Lydia changes the course of her life. Her whole family is baptized. She's not a Jew. She's never heard of Jesus. She goes to the river and she leaves changed because she listened. And it all started with Paul listening, changing his course. Now, I'm not saying that the spirit was not at work. What I'm talking about is how the spirit was at work. We expect... I don't know, wouldn't it be great? Signs in the sky, overwhelming evidence, God saying, hey, this is where you need to be. I'm going to close this so my paper keeps falling, stops falling. We expect blinking lights. We read the scripture and the words just jump out in front of us. But if you haven't noticed, that's often not how the Holy Spirit moves. Not for us, but also not in scripture either. Not for Paul. That's not even how God creates. Think about creation. Genesis 1, it's all really an improvisation. I can't do it again. God dreaming, right? He hovers over the waters, we're told, and he takes this risk, but then he listens. He creates water, but what do the water need? The water needs fish, and so he creates fish. The skies that God throws out on this palette of creation, they need birds. The land God creates, well, it's incomplete. We need animals, And then hearing from God's self, God hears, God listens, and realizes that even God needs companionship. And so God creates humanity. God creates, God listens, God creates more, this back and forth, this responding and unfolding. Why should our creative process, why should our life journey be any different? Because our lives, they are not fixed. Our creative process in the world, not set in stone. Creativity requires a dream, requires us to take risk. But that sometimes means we fail. 
And it sometimes means we have to give up something we dearly love to embrace something we are called to. Something familiar given up for something new. When I heard that call in New Orleans after becoming a part of First Grace, it meant I had to quit my job and move back to Abilene. We had to move farther away from our families, but it was the best thing we could have done for ourselves, for our calling, for our family. It was unexpected, but the Spirit spoke right in the midst of a community surrounded by people we could trust who helped us listen. And Paul, Paul hears the Spirit in community, Silas, Luke, Timothy, these people who traveled with him. I believe they were the voice of the Spirit talking to him. So I ask you today, who is your community? And what do you hear? What voices are calling out from, to you, leading you, guiding you? In the end, our lives may be no different than Paul's. The Spirit calls to us as frequently, but maybe as softly as it did to Paul. And like Paul, we must learn to develop those disciplines of listening, of changing, of following, of being okay with going in the wrong direction to find the right one. Our path through life is never a straight one. It's like a river that just meanders down and over and across as it heads down to the distant sea. It takes risk. It takes a journey. It takes change. And soon, well, soon, I promise, the seasons will change. And soon new life will be on the horizon. May we continue to look for it, to listen, to sense where the river is flowing. And as we enter into this time of transition in our own church life, maybe we enter into one in our own lives as well. May we stop for a moment to hear what God may be speaking to us. How do we need to change? Where do we need to go? What is the Spirit speaking to us? Be still and hear the voice of God.